Hello everyone, welcome to JC and the Amazing Technicolor Podcast. This is episode 17, and as always, I'm your host, Jeremy Zerby. I want to start, as always, by giving a shout out to all of you who have shown your support over the past few months. This has been incredible, and I am so excited about where we've come and where this thing is headed. I've got some big things in store, so spread the word and keep the coffee flowing. Last week, I ended with a brief discussion about God as non-binary. And I would like to build on that this week with regard to people. My main assertion rests in the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. A Trinitarian God is a God broken up into three. A binary is two. So just by their nature, God is not a binary being. The Bible asserts at the very beginning that God created humanity in their image as both man and woman. According to the story, the original people began as a single being who included both, and God then broke it apart into two. God's nature, even according to the Bible, is not any one single gender, but rather is a mix of male and female in equal measure. So to be created in God's image is to have a blend of both male and female characteristics. But here's the problem. Those characteristics are never truly clearly spelled out in the Bible. Even the quote-unquote roles that more conservative Christians claim men and women are supposed to fit into aren't clearly defined in the Bible. Rather, it would seem that these gender roles have a whole lot more to do with cultural norms at a given time and in a given culture than they do in some kind of prescribed notion of what those roles are. In fact, a lot of what the Bible says with regard to men and women seems to be assumed rather than spelled out explicitly. For example, the New Testament asserts that a husband is to love his wife in the same way that Jesus loved the church. But apart from reading the story of Jesus into that context, what that kind of love looks like isn't spelled out. In a lot of cases, this is read as though a man is to be the head of the household, and that is assumed to mean that he is in complete charge of everything, including his wife, and is called to, in a way, control the goings-on in the home. The idea is read in the context of the morality and expectations of the 1950s. The problem is, culture has changed in massive ways. The way society is set up now is not the same as it was set up nearly 75 years ago. And that's okay. That's more than okay. It is expected. Because cultures change. They progress, or at least they are supposed to. There's nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with something sticking around for a long time or, in certain circumstances, doing something a certain way because we have always done it that way. But even those traditions change in some way or another. They modernize. They shift naturally. More often than not, those shifts happen 
without anyone explicitly demanding the shift. It just happens. This doesn't mean there isn't any pushback. There is always pushback. There is always someone who is opposed to change, even incremental change. But that doesn't stop change from happening. Because some change is inevitable. As a culture, we are living through one of those times of change. And that change is happening specifically with regard to gender. I'm going to spare you the details because you're living in it. You know about the growing portion of the population identifying as transgender or gender nonconforming. And you also know that there is some rather strong opposition to this change. I don't think it is the existence of opposition that is the problem. I think the issue is the way the opposition is expressing themselves. Those opposed to trans identity aren't just saying they disagree with it, or they don't like it, or they are uncomfortable with it. They're making an active attempt to ban it. It would be one thing if they were just seeking to restrict the availability of gender-affirming care. Legislating it wouldn't necessarily be justified, but one could probably at least understand where someone without a medical background could see a reason to control who could and couldn't have access to it. To be opposed to someone's existence is something different entirely. And that is what the laws being brought forward around the country are seeking to do. They don't just restrict access to health care. They forbid teachers from using a kid in their classroom's chosen name or pronouns if they don't align with what they were assigned at birth. And they demand that teachers out these kids to their parents, probably putting them into a situation where they will become abused, if they're not already. We talked about it in a previous episode, but it bears repeating. LGBTQ youth are four times as likely to commit suicide as their peers. These laws literally set children up for the worst. These laws are designed to eliminate the transgender community. The cruelty is the point. And the sad thing is, it is the evangelical community that has contributed to the existence of these laws by their open embrace of the Republican Party to advance an anti-abortion political platform. Single-issue voting has led to open cruelty against a segment of the population. I'm not sure Jesus would approve of that if he were still walking among us. It's a cruelty that really doesn't make any sense. I simply don't understand it. There is absolutely no reason to be nasty toward a minority of the population that is hurting absolutely nobody. When conservatives and Republicans are compared to Nazis, this is exactly why. And it makes no damn sense to me.
the very same people claiming to be pro-life are standing against some of the very lives they saved. It is as if life only matters when it's inside the womb, but the moment it has come out, it loses all value. And if the life that comes out doesn't fit the accepted societal norms of this certain segment of the population, then it needs to be eradicated. It really is like they're taking a page from Hitler's playbook. We can do better. We need to do better. Love demands that we do better. We need to fight tooth and nail against these laws. We need to be vocally in support of our transgender brothers and sisters. Especially if you believe in God and the Trinity. Because God is non-binary. God is a collective of male and female characteristics and doesn't identify as one or the other. And even if God did, it would not look like some random point in history's cultural expectations of male and female. Most importantly, though, love demands that we not seek the destruction of the other. Love demands that we pursue that which will build the other person up and make them better and more complete. The most famous description of love in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13. In that section, Paul writes, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let me emphasize a couple of those for you. Love is kind. Kindness doesn't tell someone they are not allowed to exist. Love does not dishonor others. To honor someone is to regard them with respect. If you don't feel that someone deserves to exist, then you are not honoring them and you are not acting in love. Part of the essence of love is kindness and respect. 367 bills targeting the transgender community is not a way to show kindness and respect. You don't love someone by forcing them to adhere to your perceived moral standards, particularly if what they're doing is not hurting others. Put yourself in their shoes. What if someone came along and started trying to impose Sharia law? You would cry foul. You would be angry. 
How dare someone come along and force you to follow a set of religious guidelines that you don't agree with, that contradict your idea of morality? People kill themselves if they are made to feel inadequate or their existence is thought to be invalid. The 367 bills that are aimed against the transgender community right now seek to invalidate this portion of the population. 367 bills aim to eliminate the transgender community as completely as possible. It's clear that the cruelty is the point. And I'll say it again. It just makes no damn sense to me.